You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Talk. Hello and welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith, and today we're talking Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot news, Bigfoot shows, Bigfoot DNA, Bigfoot anecdotes, and catching up on the State of the Union of Bigfoot for 2014. This episode's a little bit old school, not just because it's a very conversational episode, but also because, like several of our classic episodes, I had a glitch with the audio and lost the first five minutes of the interview. So we'll join this talk in progress. And that's really the only glitch, so you just missed the part where I cordially welcome the guests to the show and take the discussion of Bigfoot straight into the hottest Bigfoot story going right now, the Sierra Kills case with Justin Smeha. So that's the context you need, and I hope you enjoy return guest Sharon Hill of the Doubtful News website and I doing some Monster Talk. So the story I've heard, again, I've heard multiple versions of it, was that Justin and a friend or an acquaintance were out in the woods uh, in the Sierra Mountains, and uh, they saw an animal Justin didn't recognize. He's claimed in at least one interview that he didn't really know what a Bigfoot was. It was this unusual animal. He was out there hunting bear, I believe. And he saw this animal and he killed it. When he went to look at it, uh, there was one or two juvenile around and he killed one of them as well. And then they left the bodies laying on the ground and got in their vehicle and drove away. And then later, um, they realized it was probably something important and they decided to go back and get a sample or find what they could of the, of the bodies. And all they got was like a little piece of meat and then Justin said he had some blood on his shoe. 
that's at least the, that's the short version of the story that I've heard. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a variant of that story that he, he, he's one of actually, he's actually one of the contestants on the uh, Bigfoot bounty show um, on a spike. And we talked about that show or on a previous episode of monster talk, but on that show, he claimed in the first episode that he had strangled to death one of the Bigfoot that he killed. <laughs> and uh, that was the first I'd heard that version. And then um, they also said they had done DNA tests on the samples and they had come back as, and this was priceless, uh, feral human <laughs> and bear. And uh, I loved it because when Todd Desotel heard him say feral human, Todd said, there's no DNA marker for feral human. If you kill a feral human, you've committed murder. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, I've heard several versions of the story as well. Um, when I when I did look up the initial story, uh, I did write sort of a sidebar for the piece that I wrote about the ketchup DNA study about Justin's experience and the what was called the Sierra Kills at the time that was going around various Bigfoot forums called the Sierra Kills. The initial story was that he came upon this creature, he couldn't quite identify it, and shot it before he could identify it, assuming it was bear. And um, blunder number one. I think that was shooting something that you don't know what it is. And then there was the occasion where he he came across the juvenile that that he had shot uh, also and it bled all over him and he lifted it up and it bled on his boot. And I guess I, I can't understand it. A moment of panic. I'm not sure that that they left the bodies there. I, I can't quite follow the story. Then again, if it's a traumatic experience, you don't really know how you're going to react so I don't, I can't make heads or tails out of his story. However, it did start to morph a bit. Um, in the Bigfoot Files three-part series that was done by ITV British Television, where, where uh, Dr. Brian Sykes did come to the U.S. and speak with Justin and a couple of his uh, colleagues and friends and actually took a sample of the boot, uh, hopefully that there would be blood on the boot. And... There was no blood on the boot. And Justin claimed that he picked the the juvenile up and looked at him face to face. And he gave the description to a uh, sketch artist who drew the picture of the Bigfoot face, juvenile face. So no mention of strangling. Right. Now I noticed that. Yeah. 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 Now we're getting and, – and the thing died in his arms. Um, sounds like a very traumatic experience, but – Strangely, he didn't seem to show a lot of remorse about it um, in the interviews, the various interviews that he gave. And I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that. In the ITV show, he took the host out to the spot where he said he saw the creatures and he gave the impression that he pretty much just shot them in cold blood, which made the host extremely uncomfortable. Um, now, the host was British, and, you know, in, in, in the uh, American culture, we, there are strains of it who do love their guns and love to shoot things. And it just seemed that Justin was a very avid hunter, and you got the impression that he enjoyed killing things, and it was uncomfortable, and it didn't paint him in such a great light. The Sykes result was that the flesh sample was bare. And that there was no blood on the boot. Um, and then we have Justin appearing on the Bigfoot Bounty Show saying, uh, 
you know, hyping the fact that he killed these two creatures and that they came back as positive for human-like. So I am confused. I, I really can't make heads or tails about Justin's story. And frankly, I just don't believe it. Mm, I'm inclined to not believe it also. Yeah. They are uh, claiming that he has passed a lie detector test. Big deal. Well, right. That's the thing. I think uh, I don't know any um, skeptical people who've read the literature who actually think lie detectors are reliable. In fact, you can't use them in court. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more about testing for nervous responses. And um, I'm not sure how nervous he is. I'm not, you know, I don't want to. I'm not judging him, but I, I just don't know. I mean, there's. Oh, well, lo- he's pretty confident in his story. Yeah, there's there, there's lots of ways that you could um, uh, fool a lie detector test if they're even reliable enough to to say that. That's not even the right wording. Pass. I don't know. I, I, I don't trust lie detectors. I don't think that's very good evidence. Um, I think the inconsistency in his story and the way it's uh, growing is probably going to continue. Here's my prediction. As time goes by, he's not going to recant his story. It's just going to become more and more detailed. Did you notice, I don't know if you've been watching the Bigfoot Bounty Show, did you notice that his excuse was that he, when he has, he has a young daughter and that when he, uh, he wants to be able to tell her that he is the person who proved Bigfoot. He wants to redeem himself in her eyes, which is a lovely story. Um, it's just weird. And, and this gets into all the other claims of people who have a Bigfoot body. If you have proof of this animal, share it with the world. It's your responsibility to share it with the world. It's your responsibility to be open about it and not do this for your own self-interest. This this is a, a societal um, landmark yeah. thing that you found. You owe it to the world to be open, not to hide these details, not not to be secretive. Yeah, it, it. And the strange thing about this Sierra Kills case also is not just how preposterous it is that someone could not know what Bigfoot is uh, living in this century, <laughs> not know what it's supposed to be, but also to not recognize how important such a discovery would be, right. a- and. Um, I noticed that he's also partnered with this fellow Roy Sahibi to create this documentary. Now, that doesn't mean he's a liar, um, but he certainly now has a vested interest in continuing a uh, uh, this uh, this claim as, a, as, a, as true, regardless of whether it's true or not. Um, I think their dead Bigfoot documentary kind of hinges on the idea that... Um, you'll get more detail about this. They're holding back when they tell you the story, but you'll get the full story if you purchase or rent the, the, the documentary. Which is extremely distasteful. Yes. And then they also are teasing that they found a uh, additional Bigfoot encounter and included that in the uh, video. Because yeah. is there anything more compelling than you go out in the woods to look for Bigfoot and you find Bigfoot? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So if the Patterson-Gimling team yes. can do it i'm sure we can too um yes. also it's interesting how they keep t- these 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 claims when anybody comes forward with one of these claims it kind of ties into this spider web of the bigfoot network right yes <laughs> so, so apparently uh jeff meldrum also took a look at least at one of the samples from the sierra kills um and he said that it had an undercoat 
and did not look consistent with a primate. So uh, he kind of dismissed it. But then he and do you know Robert Lindsay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Robert Lindsay um, is the source for all things rumor bait. He's like he's like the Daily Mail of Bigfooter, which is just pretty saying, much saying a lot. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, or before it's news. Right. Before yeah. it's news. When it's just rumor uh, yes. and uh, confirmation is not important, you go right to his blog. Um, and so they got into a kind of a kerfuffle um, online about um, – and, and really it, it seemed like either Robert or someone was passing to him just completely erroneous stuff from Meldrum. Um, I mean, mm. Meldrum tries – Meldrum, I believe, thinks Bigfoot's a real animal, but he is – a, a Still a scientist and, and behaves like one most of the time. So, or the, yeah, he is rather skeptical about most claims. Yeah, yeah. So, um, how bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I I unfortunately had to go to a few of these unreliable sources to do some research on the Bigfoot DNA thing, and it was unpleasant. Yeah. And one thing, totally off topic, I will note is that the the Bigfoot. Uh, blogs who do this every day have ads all over their site or are looking for personal vindication for these things are really terrible places to visit. Um, they are extremely hostile to skeptics, females, um, anybody who has an idea contrary to their own. It's it's really a scary place to go. I mean, I, it's just not. It's it's the places where you don't read the comments. Right. <laughs> um, I've had disgusting comments made by both Robert Lindsay and uh, the Bigfoot Evidence blog commenters. So I, I do not go to their sites at all, and I will, will not link to them. So I don't recommend that you use them for reliable information. I don't think they're reliable, and I certainly don't recommend any. It's the, one of those things where it's like, uh, no, really, they're no good uh, for information. I don't want to tell people you can't go there, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. recommend it. So, right. yeah. So yeah. I, Be prepared at what you're going to get right. when you go there. <laughs> I think that's it's pretty, the Daily Mail. You know, you're yeah, going to get the nudie pictures on the side. Yeah, really. <laughs> seriously. It's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Um, so another project that's been going on and, and claimed to have had some DNA evidence uh, is the Erickson Project. And so apparently they've been going on. I didn't realize they've been around since 2005. Yeah. Um, and still nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's not true. Didn't you see the latest pictures? They've captured Chewbacca, and it's, uh, indeed, indeed. Okay. I, yeah. I, I don't understand. Here's what I'd like to know. Okay, so the project's run by Adrian Erickson. He has this team of people who are contributing. They've had press releases. Uh, they're tied in with Melba Ketchum and her erroneous DNA conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a scientist on their team, or at least someone who, with scientific training, uh, Dr. Layla. I think it's Hajshik. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I'm not either. I, I'd like to talk to her at some point. I don't know if I'll be able to do that. But um, I'm trying to figure out how it could be that these people who have some science background are, um, and one would assume, basic common sense could look at these horribly fake, fake, fakety-fake pictures <laughs> and go on with a straight face and claim they've got proof of Bigfoot. It's the most ridiculous thing. I hate to be like a dismissive scoftic, as they say, yeah, but yeah. It, it is crap. No, it doesn't pass the, 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 the you know, just the laugh test. It, you just laugh when you see them. They're so fake. The video that they had 
the the, the yeah, it was a, it was an infrared, I believe, where they had the thing walking away. I don't know if you remember seeing that. It was terrible. It reminded me of the Ivan Marks hoax. Oh, good lord! Y- yeah. You know, from, from it looked like the same creature walking on the shore. It just was so fakey fake. Um, it just didn't pass the the, the sniff test at all. Uh, and of course, there there was the obvious matchup with the Chewbacca masks, and. You hear people defending it, saying, oh, no, it wasn't a stiff mask-like face. Well, what are we supposed to think? It looks just like Chewbacca. Exactly. Exactly. So do you blame us for being skeptical? I mean, how stupid do you think we are? I I got nothing. I I, I don't (laughs) understand. I don't understand. I don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, it, you know, people people think that that skeptics don't give this stuff the benefit of the doubt, but we really do. I mean, I had had high hopes for Ketchum's results. I thought this was going to be neat. She was going to take all these these DNA samples and we we're going to get something out of it. And we got a circus. Same thing with the Erickson. They promised us this great video and these these great uh, high definition photographs and video. And this is what we got. We had such high hopes and we were dashed again. I mean, how many times do we have to, you know, fool me once? We've been fooled a dozen times. We're not getting any better evidence out of people who claim to have good evidence. Yeah. It, so I, they held a press conference. Um, what was it? October, I think. I think so. Yeah. And, and talked about how their DNA evidence uh, had really conclusively proven that this was a real creature and how it, people would come in, and skeptics, and it turned their life around. It you know completely changed their view. And um, yeah, there just seems to be nothing to it, and um, it's really disappointing. Now, of course, I noticed that Erickson's um, uh, about me section of his website at the bottom. He makes a little dig about science refusing to look at the evidence, and I, and I I don't think that argument has any feet. Um, right. It has no has no legs. I guess is the way to say it. Or I guess I could say it has no feet, but what <laughs> has no big feet. Um, so I, I don't know. But that they seem to be going strong with what they're doing. It's just that what they're doing seems to be nonsense. I had heard rumors that they were in financial difficulties a while back. I don't know what had happened with that. Um, I really don't understand the business dealings going on behind this, but I know that there are many. Yeah. They're all tied in, and it it just feels like a money grab, and that makes me very uncomfortable. Well, and I think, uh, as Daniel Loxton pointed out to me on more than one occasion, you don't have to make a lot of money at, at, at this sort of thing to make it worth your while. You just need to make enough money to make it worth your while, whatever that number is. Mm. you know. And so, I mean, I'm involved in skepticism, and my revenue is negative of something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I put way more money and effort into doing this podcast than would would ever possibly come out of it, you know? Right. Um, So, I mean, I know there's people, they they maybe have an agenda that I can't understand. Maybe their agenda is trying to, maybe these are like the equivalent of uh, pious frauds where people fake miracles because they know the miracles are real, mm. but they're just so hard to catch. <laughs> so, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't I don't get it either. I would keep speculating. I could speculate all yeah. night. Yeah. Um, but let's move on to something much more concrete. Uh, the Georgia freezer Bigfoot of August 2008. So in, in, in that one, we had Rick Dyer and Matt Whitten right here from my home state of Georgia. 
who claimed they had killed a Bigfoot in the North Georgia mountains. And as someone who spends a lot of time in North Georgia, um, this was very exciting for me. Not. I, <laughs> I, I, this is actually one of my favorite memories involving Bigfootery because I had a friend who called me up and, and said, you know, aha, <laughs> they found Bigfoot. I just heard it on the news, you know, like right. like essentially saying you're going to have to say you're sorry to all those people you told. You're going to have to eat crow. Gonna, right, right. And I said, really? They they said they found Bigfoot. He said, yeah. I said, are they saying they found Bigfoot or that someone claimed they found Bigfoot? He's <laughs> like, what? Oh, wait, wait a minute, right? <laughs> and then he comes back. He's like, oh, right. <laughs> So I actually just went back and read some of the email exchanges from that time with me and my friends, and it was it was fun. I mean, they were very excited. I have a lot of friends who really want Bigfoot to be true, and I again, there's a lot of really good scientific reasons why it would be fantastic to find another living hominid. Sure, uh, but but I don't think Bigfoot is real, and I certainly didn't think this one had the stink of, of fraud. And of course, it turns out that they had that uh, fantastic press conference out in was it California, I think. Um, and then it, they had hooked in Tom Biscardi, and it was well, what did it turn out to be? A rubber suit full with animal guts. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's just pathetic. And so I would have thought that would have been the end of Rick Dyer and Matt Whitten's involvement with Bigfoot, but Rick Dyer has tenaciously hung on to Bigfootery, and he was involved recently in some kind of, I'm going to, I'm doing air quotes here, documentary called Shooting Bigfoot. And then after that was over, he claimed he had actually shot a Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take it from there? I don't, I don't want to hog the story. <laughs> oh, yeah, good old Hank. Hank is dead. He named the Bigfoot Hank, and it looks like a really old troll monster. It does. You know, oh, it's just really terrible. Um. He has dragged this story out for a, a whole – over a year now. Uh, I'm looking at the first time I, I noted the story of, of um, Dyer's tale that he has the body was February of 2013. He was claiming that he has this body. And now that was when news of the Bigfoot DNA was, was coming out, Melba's Bigfoot DNA. And I got the impression that he wanted to grab part of her spotlight. Yes. So he comes out saying, DNA, you know, nonsense. I have a body. And then came out with the, what looks like Bigfoot in the rearview mirror, you know, peeking out of the tent. He's, he got this picture of, of the Bigfoot face, which I didn't, I wasn't impressed with. And then all of a sudden, uh, we have this picture of this gray haired face with its eyes closed and it just doesn't look convincing. And, He's, he says he's going to have a press conference, which was like a month after he announced it. And we're like, well, why don't you just have the press conference? I remember he was showing the body in Las Vegas last July. Yes. And I was like, hey, I'm going to be in Las Vegas in July. I'm up for going to see the body. Yeah. I got no response. <laughs> you know, nobody wants skeptics there. Um, so he's been dragging the story out forever just just milking it and i remember i think it was somewhere around october or november where he he loves to do youtube videos where he just talks to the camera i find that really weird hello i'm paul giamatti and i'm steven asma 
Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness, Philosophy, UFOs, Ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our whole show. So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. We've got a podcast recommendation I think will be really fun and or useful for Monster Talk listeners. I Know Dino, the big dinosaur podcast. Studying dinosaurs can teach us about the prehistoric world, but also the world of today. For example, migration patterns of dinosaur lineages can tell us about the Earth's changing continents. Climate models of dinosaur ecosystems help us understand global warming. Studying dinosaur diets can help show the link between plant and animal evolution. Talk about paleo. Hmm. In many dinosaur injuries, <laughs> paleopathologies are the first known occurrences of diseases. A new episode of I Know Dino comes out every week with new dinosaur discoveries you won't hear about anywhere else. You can find I Know Dino on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. But he, he does these videos where he's talking to the camera. And at one point he says, I quit. I, I'm out of big footery. And we're all like, yay. Right. We don't have to hear any more of this stuff. Good, you know, Don't let the door hit you on the way out. And then he comes back the next month with, with more hype about this movie and this body. And he's taking the body on tour. And he's sort of like a poor man's Barnum. He's just not good at this. Nobody believes him. Nobody finds him even remotely all that interesting. And, and even some of the Bigfoot blogs are saying, we just don't want to talk about him anymore. I don't know who backs him anymore, who thinks that he, he is credible and has anything behind this tale. But he, he says he has this body and that he had people come look at it and they verified that it was real. And that the, the other side of that coin is that it's a taxidermied body i wouldn't i wouldn't even guess it went that far i i have no idea what it is i don't know what it is it looks a little bit like a freeze-dried mall santa but i, I don't think that's probably right so. <laughs> that's something i didn't think of. <laughs> i oh it's amazing to me or well at least it was amazing to me i have a working hypothesis now but it was amazing to me how much press coverage he got despite the <gasps> fact he was a known hoaxer so he w originally started in Georgia, and after that fiasco, he had apparently moved his family around the country. I don't know to how many places, but he ended up in Texas. So he says he, he shot this animal uh, after baiting it and, and somewhere near San Antonio. So he's moved his family to Texas. The first person or the first media outlet that picked up the story was the local news in San Antonio. And it, it went out, and for about two days, it was quiet. And then all of a sudden, it started to get picked up by bigger media and i don't know why um 
maybe just because they know that Bigfoot is going to get hits on their site, no matter how ridiculous it is. That's what I think. Yeah, I know. We've talked about why they they, they do these these me- the way the media covers Bigfoot. Yeah, we haven't actually. I haven't actually. We covered it. <laughs> me and you and Daniel talking online. Yeah, just, but I, yeah. I think um, I'm going to go ahead and say that loud here on the show. Here's my hypothesis that. The media has absolutely zero interest in Bigfoot. They don't care at all. That that the reason they cover the story is the same reason they would cover those stories where a kid drives a car or uh, a, a you know a motorcycle crashes into a cotton candy factory. I mean, just things. That, it was just. It's not about news. It's just clickbait because they they know that people are going to see the word Bigfoot and they're going to see the claim and then they're going to go look at it because it's got to be worth clicking on because it's in a real newspaper or it's in a real magazine and it'll get all kinds of traffic. But you get to the article, you get past the headline and there's literally no content there compelling enough to warrant having clicked. And you just feel cheated. Which there is, is a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of copy and paste going a lot going on there. Uh, I think, yeah, Bigfoot is, is clickbait. I can attest to that. I, when I do Bigfoot stories on doubtful news, they get clicked on and I hate doing them. I, I the only some... reason why, the only reason why I do them is to put a skeptical spin on it and maybe get into Google results with some sort of critical thinking about the subject. I, I've decided to title this episode Two Skeptics Discuss Bigfoot and You Won't Believe What Happens Next. <laughs> <laughs> I swore to never title my posts like that. Just this once. Okay. <laughs> Just this once. See where it gets you. You never exactly. know. Exactly. Well, at least you'll know when you, if you've gotten this far in the episode, it was a joke. Okay. Yes. So. <laughs> It went. I, I just like the Melba p- press conference with Erickson, the second one that they did together, where they showed that video. She had already been exposed as as you know not scientific with with the paper being yes. released, but yet the media picked up on it again and did absolutely no research on her. They how easy would it have been to Google Rick Dyer and see that he was a known hoaxer? In some cases, they did sort of note that he was part of the whole Georgia Bigfoot in a freezer bit. Uh, but that was sort of like, oh, isn't this funny? He's a known hoaxer. But look what he claims now. It's sort of just like a joke. It was a joke. Yeah, he's he reminds me of uh, what Jerry Clower used to say about one of his neighbors. They, he he'd climb a tree to st- to tell a lie when he could stand on the ground and tell the truth. You know, he mm. just he just seems to be a compulsive fibber. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Uh, and something's weird. I mean, to the fact that he he's just not. How, how could you say this stuff when you have no evidence to back it up? How can you claim this for a whole year? Drag the story out. It's sociopathic. It's it's well, weird. Well, it is. It is, and it, you know, and he must be making a living at it. But it must. It also reminds me of those people um, that uh, Peter was, Popoff. Peter Popoff is a great example. Peter Popoff is a great example. People who don't believe in what they're saying, and yet they come out and, and say the things people want to hear, and they make money off of it. It's ridiculous. I think we we underestimate the range of human imagination and ability to just tell stories and yeah i i can't I can't imagine it, but it's it's just my brain limit. I can't imagine doing that, but other people can apparently yes, and people believe it yes and uh and and again i, I don't want to denigrate the field because I think there's some people out there who are genuinely curious. I think right. people can use Bigfoot to learn about biology. I think mm-hmm. people can use Bigfoot to learn critical thinking skills. 
Um, and, it's a great it's a great cultural icon. Yeah. I think that's one of the most important things about Bigfoot that I love is that it's a very American cultural icon. Uh, if you call it Sasquatch, it's a great North American <laughs> cultural <right>. icon. <laughs> you know, it spans the border. Uh, and worldwide, uh, we have these Bigfoot-like creatures. And like you said, who doesn't grow up knowing what Bigfoot is? We, we know Our kids know it. Even if we weren't skeptics, they would know it if we weren't interested in this because they see him on TV selling beef jerky. So – it's just this, this great cultural icon, and I love it for that. And I think you could do a lot with it because it talks a lot about our, our uh, relationship with nature and how folklore develops and, and pop culture, uh, how it spreads these memes. I think that's great. But it's it's gotten so – I don't know what the, what's the word I'm looking for, but it's so cheap anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Disappointing. And I'm, I was very excited about uh, Sykes in his documentary. Um, I, I know that um, I think we discussed offline that um, it wasn't universally a, a <laughs> welcome with open arms by the Bigfoot community, I would say. Um, but yeah. I, what I loved about it was he went out and did the tests on the samples and he came back with, you know, mundane animals for most things, bears, cows, I think some canids. Mm-hmm. Um but then when he got to the Russian story of about quit, um, I was fascinated by how that story turned out. Right. Um, I, so I, I, a little spoiler alert if you haven't seen the documentary or read any of the research on it. There's this long-standing story about this woman in the 1800s. Um, Zana. Zana. Thank you. And Zana was supposed to be a wild woman. And um, she was... I guess kept in the village and ultimately had some children. And one of her children was a guy named Quit. And um, there's actually living descendants from him. And uh, they're very strong and hardy people. And they've got this story, this folklore story about their background tied back to this mysterious Zana. And um, one of the Bigfoot researchers, the Russian researcher whose name escapes me at the moment, um, went and actually got the skull of Quit. And dug it up and as part of his research. So there was DNA available from both that and from the descendants. And when Sykes did the examination, it turned out to not be a mystery primate behind this, but rather a person of sub-Saharan African descent. Yeah, that was an incredible find. And I love that because Sykes asked a question, an open-ended question, what is this? Not, is this an almosty? You know, he asked, what is this? What could this be? And comes up with, when you ask that broad question, you don't limit your uh, ability to find the answer. Uh, and, and he was able to find out a really unique answer. Um, that was Igor Bortsev that did the, uh, yeah, the, the uh, skull. And um, Igor is quite a character because uh, he's been involved with so many Bigfoot stories of the yeah. same caliber as uh, Rick Dyer's. Uh, with, with the the woman and, who believe Fox the talking Bigfoot, uh, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's sort of gone off into the the supernatural. Well, realm I think he. You know, I think although he's gotten some very respectable coverage in, in right. documentaries, it seems that the paranormal side of Bigfoot has always been part of his research. Yes. So I think maybe what we've been receiving is uh, carefully edited things to make him seem more scientific than maybe he really is. Right, because he has some credentials, yes, but yes. doesn't doesn't mean that he can't believe in complete weird stuff. No, I mean, too, I, so. I, it doesn't. I think I might be wrong on this, but I believe Bender Nagel has talked about bulletproof Bigfoot. I, I you know, mm. being scientifically credentialed doesn't mean you're impervious to uh, irrationality. 
Yeah, my, my thought on that is it's called supernatural creep. When people start off with a rather biological or physical idea of what this creature is, but they can't seem to make it fit with biology or (laughs) physics, they sort of creep into these bizarre notions about Bigfoot being psychic. Right. If you creep towards maybe it doesn't exist, you know, you have to let go of this valued belief. Right. Yeah. Yeah, So they do anything to try to keep their ship from sinking. Uh, But the Xana story was really cool because it's been a staple in these types mm-hmm. of stories about Almas and Almasties in, in Russia, which is the, you know, the Russian equivalent of a wild man that we have all over the, the, the world, the various versions of them, the Yerans and the Yetis and the Bigfoot and Sasquatch. And uh, the, the, she was the poster child for the Almasty or was she, was, were the Almasties relict hominids? Were they Neanderthals that were still existing there in Russia? And the Sykes documentary filled in quite a bit of information that I didn't know about how she lived in the village. And I thought that was, they did a really nice job on that. Well, what I found great about it, or the grace is probably wrong, what I found fascinating about it was how similar this is to what's happened. And I'm going to go UFOs on you for a minute. But the Roswell story, you've got a uh, historically a mundane uh, story. I mean, yes, they thought a flying disc had crashed, but there was nothing to it. I mean, it was like a little bit of material from a weather balloon. Mm -hmm. And then over time, the memories of that become more and more conflated. And as people share their memories, this feedback loop happens and the stories become more and more interesting and more and more complicated. And then what has a real basis is lost in this this completely developed mythology about the events that happened. And then that's just 60 few years ago. I mean, that's... (laughs) Right. And and then this happened in the 1800s. And by the time we get into the 70s, it's become a full-blown story of a hairy wild woman. All the features of her actual body have been distorted into this different story to fit this idea of the wild woman right but at some point in the past she was somebody of african descent who was either a slave or if not a slave at least seemed to have had a very rough existence oh it was it's a horrible story yeah it's really really sad and a bit of that was brought out in the uh, Sykes documentary, but then when I went back and sort of wrote up the story about it, it's just horrible to think that she she looked different, obviously. There must have been something about her that was very different that caused people to give her this attention. She was treated horrifically. If the, if the stories are true, yeah, yeah. I, 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 even if you go down to the bare bones, the way that she was. Yeah, she was definitely a pariah of some yeah, sort who's probably exactly. raped. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, or beaten, or, or yeah. you know, captured and 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 harassed, and it's just it's just an awful story. So I th- I think that the more that we could get out the truth about this, that she she was uh, wherever the she was she was sub-Saharan African descent. How she got there is an interesting story about human history. So I I hope that doesn't get lost. Yeah. I I liked that that came to the to the surface again. Yes, and um, and it's good to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gather that Igor didn't like the truth and maybe he won't accept yeah. it. I'm not sure. Well, he seemed very disappointed. Well, I, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, how much more exciting would it have been if she'd come back like, you know, 70% Neanderthal or something? That would be awesome, right? You know? That would have been something. <laughs> yeah. Would have made him feel better, too. I'm sure it would have. So, I mean, he seems like a very nice guy. 
Right. Uh, um, but sometimes you got you just have to face the the results that they give you. They're not going to always be what you want. You do. You do. And I and I think that that's a problem with current Bigfoot researchers is they have a tendency not to accept the evidence when it all shakes out. Yeah, you know, when Sykes came back and gave the North American uh, researchers their results that they were all bear, cow, deer, canid, whatever. They seemed really disappointed, but they were not deterred. They right. were ready to go out there and keep trying. Except for Justin. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not sure what that look was on case. his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but now he's on the Bigfoot bounty. Who knows how that'll turn out? So, yeah. Um, well, let me say this. I, I it it was an interesting evening of digging back into this uh, a little deeper than I normally do. I, I kind of. What I tend to do on Bigfoot stories is I kind of research them when they come up, see if I can figure out what's going on. Um, I'm interested. I follow them. But then I just kind of let them go. Because if I immerse myself too much, especially in the online culture, it can get really ugly. These uh, The yes. online discussion groups of people who believe and don't believe. It is um, just an endless cycle of insults and tomfoolery and japery and nonsense. So There are very few places where you could go to have a decent and logical and discuss a discussion that has some sort of boundaries to it that, don't, that doesn't yeah. that civility exactly that doesn't go off on some tangents or use endless logical fallacies i pretty much gave up going to bigfoot forums probably a year ago because it wasn't really doing me any good the best reason to go to bigfoot forums is to see what people are thinking and I, and I do like to go on occasion to get the feeling of how they feel about this latest story that's come out because they have inside information that maybe I don't. And I've, I've been able to use that as a way to get a feeling for how to, how to treat these stories and to learn the characters and the players. It's really like a drama. It's, it's, it's like a soap opera drama <laughs> circus. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's about as far removed from science as you know you can you can get when you're talking about nature it i i don't fit in there you know uh so i i i tend to to steer clear these days yeah i spent a lot of years as a lurker on the jref before i started Mm -hmm. actually participating the jref is actually a great resource for bigfoot and i tell you what the the bigfoot believers watch the jref forum yeah. And how and what they say because they know that those people know their stuff, and there are a few of them on there who really know their stuff, who do visit the various places around the net, and have an idea about what's going on everywhere, and that's where you get inside information. And I've had so many people, uh, a couple people from the JREF forum, and a couple people outside, you know, in the scientific community or or in the Bigfoot community, send me private messages and tell me stuff. And, you know, what do you do with that? I, I can't really tell anybody right. about it. It's good to I've, know, right? I've been able to use that information to inform my opinions, I think. Uh, but then you have to be guarded because what can you believe? I, I don't – I can't I can't tell what to believe anymore. No, right. No. It, it's, it all comes back down – you know, in, in, there's, there's two sides to that. There's the what do you believe about Bigfoot evidence and then what do you believe about the people and their claims and their stories because – there's a lot of uh, human drama oh, is, yes. you know, involved in all that. So, you know, my personal life and schedule and everything else just kind of keeps me from getting involved. I find that it's a, it can be a tremendous time waster. But you're right. <laughs> if, you're, if you're doing research, there's a, the JREF and 
is probably one of the better places to go to get information. Um, Bigfoot forums Bigfoot is forums. probably. Yeah. Big, didn't Bigfoot forums kind of disappear for a while? For a while. And yeah. then it, it came back. I believe it was run by uh, Center for Forty and Zoology now, John Downs. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think that he's sort of in the background there. And I was a member. I am a member there. But uh, again, they, they have like a lot of rules, stuff you can't talk about. And like creationism, you can't talk about creationism, which I thought was weird. But I could see why. They they don't they don't want to get into a dust up about right. religion. <laughs> They're already in a big up a big dust up on on other topics. So I, I do go there on occasion, and my name gets mentioned there on occasion. If I if I post a story that people find of interest, and they'll discuss it. But yeah, you really can't get bogged down in this stuff because it, it it can it can be a giant time suck. Yeah, but uh, speaking of time sucks, I guess I need to stop recording this. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you for spending some time with Monster Talk, uh, catching us up on the state of Bigfootery. So All right. What do you think is the most promising uh, aspect of the Bigfoot field right now? I love that they got an education about DNA this past year. Yeah. They now understand that DNA can do fantastic things. DNA testing can give you a great answer. They now need to. They now can learn how to collect it. Uh, where to send it, and I think that they understand that they're that the bar is set. The stupid pictures, the blob squatches, the dumb videos, the the eyewitness reports are just they're useless. They're just they're they're blog fodder. That's fine. They're clickbait, but they're not going to get you anywhere. There are some groups that completely understand that they need to start collecting some serious biological samples, and I think that that's promising. Yes, and I, I do like the fact that the the Bigfoot Bounty Show is at least bringing home the idea of you know having clean samples, collection materials, and also uh, calling them on some of the nonsense about it eats berries. Oh, and it also hunts deer, and you know it, it's, the, the it's crappy a, footprints. Right, it's a it's a quadruped and it's a biped. You know, so you know how is that biologically plausible? You know, it's great. So I, I like some of those things, but but yep. the, the, some of the nonsense out here just needs to stop. Mm-hmm. So, um, hobby, yeah. they love it. They love going out in the woods and chasing. Oh, monsters. no, it's great. I highly recommend all? if you want to look for Bigfoot, you get out in the woods and do it. <laughs> so, it's it's a nice place to visit. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Sharon. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, you know, I should do the what's your favorite monster? No, it hasn't been that long since you've been on here. So, well, geez, I think I've been on twice before and I keep saying it's the Jersey Devil. Yeah, you got to stop saying that. Well, it's still my favorite monster because, like, there's new stuff coming out yes. on the Jersey Devil, and I think it's fascinating. And I think it just rolls back around to say that humans are the real monsters in most of these stories. Oh, so you, you enjoyed uh, Brian Riggle's visit? I did, and and I have uh, I've read a couple of his drafts, and yeah, we've talked a little bit about that. So I'm I'm very curious as to the book coming out now. Yeah, that'll be cool. Mm-hmm. If we got a Jersey Devil book out, and if we got the Spring Hill Jack book out, oh, I can't wait yeah. for that. <laughs> it's never going to come out, is it? But I love it. I can't. I can't Mike, wait. Mike Dash is such a good writer, but he's like me. He like he just keeps researching and keeps researching and keeps researching. You got to stop at some point and write the book. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what a great story. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, Mike does have a really good book out, though. Um, I think it's called Borderlands. Um, and I, I should know it's on my nightstand, but. <laughs> It's really, really good. So he's a good guy. Anyway, um, thank you again for joining me. And, of course, you can find Sharon at Doubtful News. 
And you can also find her uh, just about every week on Virtual Skeptics. That's right. And at I Doubt It on Twitter. That's right. Thanks. Monster Talk. Thanks for listening to Monster Talk. I'm your host, Blake Smith, and today you heard me in a conversation with Sharon Hill, proprietor of the Doubtful News website. If you hear a story that sounds too good to be true or too weird to believe, check out her site at www.doubtfulnews.com and find out what skeptics are saying about the claim. Monster Talk is an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of myself and my guests and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Skeptic Magazine or the Skeptic Society. Have you had a chance to review Monster Talk on iTunes? You don't want to be one of those folks who find themselves sitting in a nursing home decades from now wishing they'd given that review when they were back in the prime of their life. No! Do it now! Now is the prime of your life. Now is your chance to seize the day to take the nipping hounds of procrastination by their scruffy necks and to toss them aside with a defiant shout of, No! Today is not the day that ye hounds of procrastination shall feast on me. Nay, for today is the day that I give Monster Talks an iTunes review. Be gone, curs of procrastination. We shall fight another day. I must needs load my iTunes and set virtual quill to virtual paper and express my opinions of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, do that. Besides, you can always procrastinate another day. If there's one thing you can afford to put off until tomorrow, it's procrastination. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. Thank you for listening. skepticism? Want to learn the truth about the scientific controversies of our time? Then subscribe to Skepti, the quarterly magazine Stephen Jay Gould called the best journal in the field. To subscribe, visit skeptic.com today. Thank you very much for spending some time with uh, Big uh, with, with Bigfoot. What am I talking uh. about? With Monster Talk. Uh, this, whatever the show is, it's your... <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot Talk. <laughs>